Hi everyone and welcome back to the Product Marketing Life podcast, which is brought to you by Product Marketing Alliance. My name's Bryony Pierce and I'm the content manager here at PMA. This week's podcast is sponsored by Product Marketing Core, Meta, we know. PMMC is our very own product marketing certification program and it covers the A to Z of product marketing essentials. With 11 modules, 68 chapters, 87 exam questions, 10 plus hours worth of learning and official PMA certification, it's a course not to be missed. Head to pmmalliance.co forward slash pmmc for more info. As part of this series, we're connecting with product marketers all over the world about topics they're super passionate about. And in this episode, we'll be speaking to Devin O'Rourke, founder and managing partner of Fluvio, about why he founded his own product marketing consultancy, what it was like working at Amazon and Etsy, and what he's learned from working with startups at different stages. Devin started his product marketing journey at Tremor Video, and from there, he moved on to Etsy as a global product marketing manager for apps. After that, he spent just over two and a half years at Amazon, and then he founded his own consultancy company, Fluvio, in February 2020. I'll let Devin talk us through his background more throughout the show, but for now, welcome to the show, Devin. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate it. It's great to have you here. Um, So I guess we're going to touch on your time at Amazon, Etsy, and Tremor Video shortly. But just to kick off, can you tell us a bit about kind of how you fell into product marketing in the first place and what attracted you to the industry? Sure. Um, You know, I think like most people, I definitely didn't have my eye on product marketing as I was going through school. Um, So definitely sort of just found myself in this position and really grew to appreciate it. Uh, I studied communications and media in college, uh, actually focused on journalism and minored in photography. So I actually thought of myself as someone on the creative side and wanted to be a photojournalist. Um, interned at the New York Times, photojournalism, Getty Images. And my first job out of school was being a, a photo editor for ESPN, the magazine. So was very much entrenched in photography. Um, and things sort of started going south with the publishing industry. And I got a little bit concerned being the youngest person at ESPN, the magazine. So started looking elsewhere and found myself at a media agency and was not super happy there. Uh, didn't like media agency life, but learned a lot and, uh, decided to just join a vendor at the time. Uh, and that was Tremor Video. And I was put into an entry-level product marketing position just because the customer for Tremor Video is a media agency um, planner or buyer. So I was that ideal customer, mm-hmm. and it was a great way for me to be transitioned into a product marketing role where obviously we know you have to be an expert on the customer, which was me at the time. So mm-hmm. that's how I sort of stumbled upon it. Yeah, it sounds like a very kind of natural path there. But I guess with the kind of comms and media background, there's a lot that can be transferred from there into product marketing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, learning about CPMs and different forms of media and um, just the advertising industry as a whole, um, you know, branding, all that sort of stuff definitely helped accelerate, I I would say, accelerate my role uh, at Tremor Video. 
Mm-hmm. And then in that first role, kind of product marketing role that you had, how did you kind of learn about it? So was it very much training on the job? Did you go to any courses or? Yeah, no, it was very, very much um, training on the job. I got very lucky in the situation I was in. I had a really great mentor there, my manager at the time, um, and actually her manager, who ended up becoming the COO of the company, which is a publicly traded company, um, started out as the director of product marketing. So someone super senior within the organization had product marketing experience. We had a lot of buy-in with product marketing. And so I just sort of uh, was able to learn the ropes through them. Yeah, cool. Okay, thanks for that. Um, So next up, we regularly hear um, kind of within the community that people are really keen to understand what life as a product marketer is like at these kind of big, big organizations. So can you just kind of talk us through your time at Amazon, Etsy and Tremor Video and what kind of product marketing cultures they had? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And as I've started to work with more companies, it's becoming more and more evident that there is not one size fits all for product marketing. It really truly differs everywhere you are. Um, and so I'll, I'll start with just saying that um, and, and I can go through my experiences. So at Tremor Video, we were very much a part of the product board, um, focused on inbound, um, I would say probably more strategic product initiatives than creating marketing collateral or really focusing on outbound mm-hmm. um, activities. So, you know, I, I definitely worked very, very closely with the sales org, but my job was really to help scope out what the roadmap would look like, where there were revenue opportunities, also forming partnerships mm-hmm. um, with companies that would sort of uh, separate us from, from the rest of the um, demand side platforms, this is the, the business we were in. So um, I would say that that was definitely a product focused org. I mentioned earlier that the COO of the company was a former product marketer. So a lot of buying understood our value and it was sort of smooth sailing. Um, of course, that was my first experience. I didn't recognize that at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I went over to Etsy. Etsy also was um, their product marketing practice was a part of the product org. Mm-hmm. Um, and the structure at Etsy, you know, they had different pods for different products. I was on the app, right? So my product was the consumer facing app. We had a PM and then myself as the uh, product marketing manager and then a team of developers, both for iOS and Android. So there, um, you know, I would say it was understood in terms of what our role was within the org, but it hadn't been fully built out yet. I was a part of that like incoming, not class, but group of product marketers that were um, what product marketing looked like at the company. A lot of things changed there. There's some leadership shifts uh, and product marketing was actually cut for a time. I think it's back now, but uh, on the consumer side of that business, product marketing uh, lost headcount. And yeah, and I was shifted over to the seller side of that business. So focused on, you know, Etsy crafters um, Mm -hmm. and their experience with Etsy. Um, So that was, I would say that working at Etsy was a little bit more challenging um, in that the perception of product marketing was still not quite there. We were building that out. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, I left Etsy um, to 
go to Amazon and Amazon is structured a little bit differently. Product marketing falls under marketing. Um, and that really does have implications on the role. Uh, we, I had much more of a, a shift toward messaging, um, collateral development, focused on the sales team, enablement, those sort of product marketing activities became primary focus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say running betas, um, helping the product team scope the roadmap was definitely uh, secondary. Uh, and so that was a, that was definitely a shift. And I think that goes along with um, just the fact that product marketing is a part of the marketing org and not the product org. Mm-hmm. So it was a forcing function on like what, what matters to us within marketing versus product. And then, um, you know, working at a big company, I know that was part of the question. Amazon is a very, very large company. Um, I worked in the advertising part of the business. So obviously narrow down that company a bit. Still, the advertising business is a behemoth, so it is very large. Everything at Amazon, in terms of the culture, is built around Amazon's leadership principles. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that those things are, are tangible. Like everything you do at Amazon has to align to at least one of the principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was interesting. I think that's what's made Amazon successful and, and able to build out such a big company mm-hmm. and yet remain um, really productive. So uh, I think that was fascinating to be a part of. Yeah. And then in terms of your time with those three companies, what did the size of those product marketing teams look like? Uh, yeah, so Tremor Video, you know, it's a little bit smaller company. Um, I joined right after it went public. So, you know, yes, it's a public company, but definitely still felt a little bit more like a startup. Mm-hmm. There were uh, four of us. I mean, it was always in flux over the course of three years I was there, um, but generally it was about four product marketers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe the product team was 10 or fewer. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the ratio between product marketing and product, it was pretty healthy. Yeah. Uh, and that's the ratio I, I, tend, I tend to try to look at is, mm-hmm. you know, how many PMs uh, to one PM. Yeah. Or, sorry, how many PMs to one product marketer? Um, so it was about four of us. Etsy was a little bit larger, but the company in terms of the product org was larger. So it was trying to be building out pods um, with one product marketer in each pod. Um, I think there were probably about six of us or so on the consumer side of the business and then another six on the seller side. So about 12 to 15, I, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and there were far more product managers. Um, so I think at least 30 product managers. And then Amazon, I mean, there's hundreds of, of product managers at Amazon. It's just a, it's probably the most popular role. A lot of, you know, MBA candidates will come into Amazon as mm-hmm. product managers. Product marketing was very much outnumbered. Um, I think the ratio there was more like 10 to one. Okay, like, well. Yeah, and um, and that changed the culture of product marketing. I think just due to resourcing challenges, we had to focus where on where we could add value within the marketing org. And so our focus started to shift towards solution marketing, uh, really focusing on messaging um, for each vertical we worked on. Mm-hmm. 
And then you mentioned kind of the vast difference between your role when you were reporting to, for example, product at Tremor, where you were looking at scoping out the roadmap, revenue opportunities, that kind of thing, versus messaging and sales enablement, collateral marketing for Amazon. Would you say you have like a preference between the two? Um, I would say I have a preference to be um, a little bit more aligned with product. Mm -hmm. So I think the sales enablement is, is certainly important. I think that product marketing um, needs to have a very large role in enablement mm -hmm. and be closely aligned with sales and that we as product marketers get a lot of value out of those relationships and helping the product team because we are on the front line. So I think that's extremely important. But you know, I do have a preference for product marketing to be more closely aligned with product. And that's what I work with a lot of companies on, on doing is structuring product marketing so that it is embedded into the product org. Mm -hmm. And then what are your thoughts kind of in general? Because I know it's obviously quite an industry-wide thing that the role of product marketing can just vary so much from company to company. Do you think that's like, do you see that as a pro or a con or is it a problem or? Yeah. So I, it's a, it's a really good question because I actually think that that is uh, a pro. Like I, I'm very excited when I see opportunity. Um, and I think product marketers have so many opportunities. Um, you know, the purview is super wide. So um, it, I think anyone who's able to adapt, recognize where they can add value um, can take advantage of how wide that purview is. Mm -hmm. um, and so I actually think it's it's a really good thing. We're not mm -hmm. pigeonholed into a, a very specific role. Um, we're able to sort of stretch where, where we need to. Yeah, that makes sense. And then kind of looking at your LinkedIn bio, it looks like you kind of started big in your product marketing career. And I know Tremor Video wasn't quite the scale of Etsy and Amazon, but it's quite an established company already. So how did you find kind of, starting at those big established organizations and then transitioning now to go in in-house yeah. to helping like kind of smaller startups and like the resource and budget changes and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, well, it definitely has uh, required me to do a lot of educating, um, which, you know, I think I'm in a good place to do that because I have seen what product marketing can look like within big orgs, how it can scale, where it's best positioned within a company to succeed. And so, you know, I actually get a lot of satisfaction of, of working with these smaller companies and, and giving them my perspective on how they can first start it. You know, who's someone within their organization that might have the skill set to become a product marketer, help them do that, and then help them figure out how it can scale, um, how they partner with different teams, et cetera. So I think it's, educational for me to to obviously experience these smaller companies uh styles and the different teams they have built out and then a lot of my job is educating them on the value of product marketing and where it can sit within the company mm -hmm. and then i guess kind of going back one step what was it that made you want to go and set up your own consultancy in the first place yeah good question um so you know i think you know when i joined amazon my thinking at the time was this is probably the last really big company I'm going to work for. Mm -hmm. I always had a desire to go somewhere small and to have a little bit more freedom um, and 
ownership, I'd say. Not that I didn't have that at these other companies, but, you know, I just wanted to, to go small. So, you know, I knew from the onset that that was my goal at Amazon is to use that as a stepping stone to, to taking on a leadership position in a smaller company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but while I was at Amazon, we were trying to expand our product marketing team pretty aggressively. And I was a part of the working group that was trying to hire. So I was interviewing a bunch of product marketing candidates. The interview process at Amazon can be quite lengthy. Um, and it was taking us anywhere from six months to a year to hire a senior product marketing manager. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, being a part of that process was, was pretty eye-opening. Um, there weren't as many senior, um, you know, experienced product marketers out in the marketplace. And I just was surprised by that. And I thought that, you know, as Amazon with their brand recognition was struggling to, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that we were struggling to find talent. We found talent, but it took a lot of time. And mm-hmm. if Amazon was, was taking time to do that, I, you know, I was pretty sure that there were other companies struggling with building out product marketing and finding and retaining talent. So I started to think about that and um, recognize that there's probably an opportunity to work with other companies that are struggling and um, really become an on-demand sort of remote um, product marketer and either help them hire and build teams and help them figure out what product marketing looks like, which is, you know, what the smaller companies need, or just be uh, a true consultant where I embed myself and am almost treated like an employee at a company and, and execute the product marketing myself. Okay, cool. So I'll kind of touch on that a bit more shortly in terms of what kind of work you do for your clients. But first yeah. off, what would you say the sort of typical profile of your clients are? Like, are they generally quite product marketing savvy? Is the concept quite new to them? And kind of at what stage do they reach out to you? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I am going to be consistently rethinking that. Um, I don't know what the ideal customer profile looks like. I can tell you I've learned a lot from where I started. You know, I started thinking I was going to be working with small startups who've, who've raised capital, who certainly have you know, developers and engineers, they probably have a product manager or two, and now they're either being told by their investors or they're, they're recognizing that companies are beginning to hire product marketing. I always think of product marketing as the role that's hired just after you have um, solidified product management. Mm-hmm. So my initial approach to the business was looking at, you know, Series A, Series B companies who are in that sort of ballpark. Um, you know, I think that's still a core set of, of my clients, but what I've found is the product market fit for my business might be better for companies that actually are larger, um, and have established product marketing, but maybe struggled to get it into a place, um, where it's, it's successful. Yeah. So those companies have an understanding of product marketing already, obviously. They recognize that it has value. And so they don't need to be educated. Um, they recognize, you know, the challenges. Like there's just a lot of things there that there's a lot of barriers that are broken down with those customers. 
so yeah, you know, I think I'm always going to be trying to reevaluate my company's product market fit, but um, I think that was an interesting learning for me is that perhaps my, you know, my clients aren't going to be that, that small startup segment. Mm-hmm. And then how do you actually, like, do you work remotely or do you go into companies in-house or? Yeah. Um, so a big uh, part of my pitch is that I'm flexible um, and that, you know, not just in terms of the projects I work on, um, the scope of those projects, but also how I work with these companies. I have done remote work. Um, I've done work where I go in on like a biweekly basis and perform different um, sort of trainings. And then I'll have um, like one, you know, primary client I work with right now. I went into their offices, obviously before this whole Mm -hmm. COVID-19 started happening, but um, I would go into their offices three days a week and really embed myself in their team meetings. And then out of curiosity, is there any kind of consistency in terms of who within the organization kind of reaches out to you or is like your your main point of reference? Yeah, so I think it depends. It depends on a lot of factors. Um, if If a company has product marketing built out, then it's obviously the leader of, of that practice. So it could be the chief product officer. Um, if it's a product, if product marketing rolls in the product, um, and it could be the SVP of marketing if it's a larger company where product marketing um, fits into marketing, or it could be the CEO. So for the smaller startups, I generally try to go right to the CEO, who's the decision maker across the board and um, likely doesn't have these um, folks that have ownership on, on signing consultants themselves. It, it'll all go through the CEO. So I'll hear directly from the CEO. I'll put a proposal together and uh, address it to the CEO. Mm-hmm. For the bigger companies, I'm working generally with um, you know, the SVPs and the chief product officers. Yeah, that makes sense. And then when you're actually picking up new clients, what does that process look like for you in terms of sort of establishing where their problems lie and how you can deliver value and whether or not they're actually a good fit for you? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and not everyone is a good fit. And so I, I definitely don't expect when I'm speaking to someone that my services will automatically be applicable. So I think that's an important thing that I try to establish with my prospects. Um, and setting that expectation and being transparent around that. Um, so what I try to do is I, I try to look for companies. In terms, if I'm the one prospecting, um, and and you know no one has reached out to me, I'm looking at companies that fit my profile, whether they're you know a Series B startup or they're a large private equity funded company that is looking to hire product marketing, for example. Mm-hmm. And I'll try to find. Um, you know, a decision maker within that organization, I'll reach out to them. Um, or if they'll reach out to me, I set up a call. And that initial call is, you know, 30 minutes to an hour where I ask them a lot of just organizational questions. Mm-hmm. If they understand product marketing, um, where it fits within their organization, what their primary goal is within the company, what success looks like for that, that role, um, and how well it's performing today. And then I ask a lot of questions around their customers. So I want to understand who their audience is really um, intricately. 
And that generally gives me a pretty good idea um, of whether or not product marketing is something that they need to adjust or they need to establish. Um, and then I will put a custom proposal together that, that gives them my thoughts on how that can be successful. And then, you know, if they like the way that proposal looks, then we start to work together. Okay, cool. That makes sense. And then for you as a product marketer, how, if at all, would you say the role kind of varies from doing it from an in-house perspective now to doing it on a consultancy basis? So I think it depends on the relationship of the client. Um, I would say that if done right, it doesn't change. Mm -hmm. um, what I tell clients is that I want to be treated like an employee. I don't want to be this sort of consultant that's hard to reach, that's not a part of the team. And that doesn't have um, the same ownership of certain things. Like I want to be very much treated like an in-house product marketing expert. So if that is done successfully and our relationship is set up that way, then there really is no difference, right? I'm a part of the team meetings. I'm a part of the company-wide meetings. I'm a part of happy hours. I'm a part of all the things that help build morale within teams. Mm -hmm. um, now that's not always the case. Like some clients don't don't embed me in that way, and that's I think a mistake. So I'm always trying to be incorporated, much like you know an in-house team is. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of leads on to the next question in terms of like what would you say is most challenging about consultancy life? <clears throat> well, um, you know, I would say it's challenging that you don't have a team around you every day, at least at this point. Um, it's really just me. So if you're someone who needs to be, um, you know, in close contact with people, um, talking and, and feeling like, um, you know, you can have a conversation with someone, that, that can be a little bit challenging. Mm -hmm. um, and then just starting a business, there's so many things that you learn along the way. Um, and I would say those are challenges, but um, I enjoy them. So mm -hmm. it's not, those aren't negative things. Um, there's just a lot of different, you know, insurance, for example. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I didn't have to think about that before. <laughs> I, have to, I have to do that now. Um, finding new business, you know, that takes time. And that's not, that's not product marketing work. So I have to allocate my time differently. Um, I have to understand where to invest my time on a daily basis. Um, so managing that is challenging. Uh, there's a lot of things that I'm just picking up along the way. Yeah, I guess stuff like that you can't really plan for all the time, is it? Sometimes you don't think of it, then all of a sudden it's a case of, oh, wow, I need to do this now. And sometimes it makes you realize, because I was freelance before I joined PMA, and then there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes that you don't necessarily realize until you work like purely for yourself, um, yep. which can be a shock to the system sometimes. But like I say, it's a great learning curve and you learn lots along the way, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And you need a, you, like those are important things to learn if you want to be, you know, an entrepreneur, which is something that I wanted to do. So for me, it's exciting to learn those things. It's not daunting, um, mm -hmm. but I think it, there's going to be a lot of, folks that probably wouldn't want to do that. So it's not for everyone. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and next up, so kind of looking at OKRs, 
I find that there's sometimes, I'm not sure if contentious is the right word, but it's a tricky topic within product marketing in that some people don't have OKRs, some people do, some people are not sure how to kind of measure and prove the success of product marketing. So do you yeah. have any examples at all of how your clients measure the success of what you do for them? Yeah, um, I think I'm really early uh, in that process. So, you know, I don't have any KPIs that I'm that I'm providing clients at this point. I think a part of the challenge is distancing myself from very near term tangible metrics that someone like, you know, um, uh, a demand generation or growth marketer will will look at. Right. Like I'm not coming in and telling these companies I'm going to get them thousand new customers in a week. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's the first thing is educating them on what product marketing is able to do. Um, and that's helping them build a sustainable business where, yes, we're driving adoption of their products. We're getting new customers, but it's it's not a one month, three month thing. It's it's months down the line. Um, and and then it's it's helping them understand the partner team. So, you know, if done well, I'm working with a marketing org who's going to increase um, all of their metrics, right? We're going to have better qualified leads that go to the sales team. We're going to have higher sell-through rates um, if we have the right things in place uh, in terms of sales enablement. We're going to have higher NTS scores from existing customers because we're building better products. So it's looking at the metrics that other um teams are taking on and trying to track against those as well yeah that makes total sense um and then i guess you've been working with lots of different types of businesses products and growth stages since you started this consultancy company but if we were just to focus on the startup element what have you like what have you learned since working with companies at different stages and how do their needs um like subsequently change your input uh, that's a hard question. They, I would say what I've learned is that all of these small companies are moving very fast and they're just trying to figure things out. Um, and there is not all product marketing is easily plugged in. Um, and a lot of them, what I'm finding is not necessarily, they're not necessarily a good fit for product marketing at this point. For example, you know, I spoke to a CEO of, you know, a fast-growing SaaS startup um, about two months ago, mm -hmm. and we had a very frank conversation around where his business was at. He has, you know, a sales team. He has, obviously, engineers, and he has one, I think, one product manager, and where we netted out um, was that demand generation was what he needed at the time. So, we basically said, let's reconnect months down the line. I helped recommend the type of role he should hire, um, given his situation. And that was grow fast and learn a little bit later. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I think it really just, it, it depends on, on the company. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, and then out of curiosity, when you transition kind of from Amazon into your consultancy, were you kind of consulting on the side before you took the plunge to take it full time? <laughs> yeah. Am I going to get um, you into trouble for asking yeah, that? Yeah, <laughs> that, might, that might get me into trouble. I would say, uh, no, I'll, I'll be transparent. I, I was very much planning this for about 
six months prior to leaving. Okay. Um, so yeah, it, it takes time. I, I wasn't, I would say I was working as an advisor, <laughs> right? So I wasn't making a huge amount of income that would allow me to think about that as a standalone business. I was using six months as an advisor, as an opportunity to learn whether or not there was a market for the services and what that might look like. And then understanding the processes that I would have to go through in order to acquire clients. Yeah, sure. Um, and then we've touched on a few throughout the pod already, I think. But since setting up your consultancy, what would you say your biggest personal learnings have been to date? Um biggest personal learnings um i would say uh, personal i don't know i think i'll, I'll stick to maybe the, the things i've learned about the business side mm-hmm. um personal is I, I like flexibility and i'm happy i think that that's you know giving giving myself a sense of ownership and pride in um doing all of the things for a company myself and seeing something grow is satisfying so you know at that at this point that's personally what, I, what I'm feeling. I think from a business standpoint, and you know, I read about this in, before I started it, but everyone thinks that if they have a good idea for a business and there is product market fit, which I, you know, proved before I, I left Amazon, I tested it, mm-hmm. that when you launch the business, you would get clients. <laughs> They'd come quickly, right? I'd have customers. Um, and I do have clients but there is a lot of work that goes into pitching, um, building proposals, understanding businesses intricately and acquiring and signing clients and going through legal. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not a month long process for each client. It's months long. And for some clients, it's going to be a year. Um, And so yeah, I think just the amount of time and effort required to business development work is extensive. And that's something that I, I didn't fully anticipate or appreciate until I was in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And that kind of lends itself to my next and final question is that for anyone who's listening and perhaps thinking about starting their own consultancy, uh, maybe the near or distant future, but they haven't yet taken the plunge, what would your advice to them be? Um, my advice would be first, uh, double double check that it is actually what you want to do. Um, there, there's a lot of good things about having a very established role. Um, and if you see that there's a pathway for you to be promoted into a leadership position at a company and you're happy at that company, then don't rock the boat. Because I think that still is the uh, probably the best route to being happy and successful. But if you are and you have been thinking about doing your own thing, going off and starting your own consulting business, um, then do the research. You know, I mentioned I did about six months of testing. There was another six months before that where I was, you know, reading about the history of consulting reading about the founders of the big three consulting firms, um, you know, researching other companies that were doing similar things, studying their clients, um, reading about 
entrepreneurs who started their own business that are, you know, not necessarily consultants, but um, something similar. So like do a lot of upfront research and feel comfortable with um, the history of it and learning from that was, was important for me. And then start testing it with, with clients, have conversations, cold call people, cold email, go to networking events, um, start to listen to potential clients, prospects, and just make sure that you feel super comfortable because it, it is a big leap. Um, there's a lot of things that uh, you have to go through and there are expenses that you probably didn't think of. So, you know, plan it. The other thing I would say is you don't need a business plan. <laughs> um, I drafted up uh, a go-to-market plan of sorts and maybe maybe a little bit of a business plan just to get a sense for what revenue I would have to be, be bringing in in order for it to be, you know, a sustainable business. And, you know, what would I, would, what would I charge, for example? But I have not referenced any of those plans since I started my business, I have branched off and done my own thing in a lot of ways. You know, go to market fit is forever changing. So don't feel like you have to have a business plan locked up um, before you make the move because you're going to be tearing that up anyway. Mm-hmm. And then I did say last question, but I have one more and I'm going to put you on the spot. You mentioned that you um, kind of did a lot of reading for six months prior um, to obviously taking the plunge. Like what kind of books are you reading? Can you remember what they're called or would you recommend them to people? Yeah, so uh, right now I'm reading Ray Dalio's Principles, um, which is a really interesting book. So I'd, I'd recommend that. It gives you principles for life um, and then also principles for a business. Um, he's built a super successful hedge fund. Um, you know, it's a professional services firm, so it's not a consulting firm, but there are some similarities that so that's been helpful. Um, and then I read sort of, I think it's Lords of Strategy, which is the history of consulting firms. So very specifically, if you're going into starting your own consultancy, I think that that's valuable. It's important to know the history of the business that you're going into and, and learning from that. Um, and then I read various founder uh, books on, on founders. Like I, I read Elon Musk's book, um, you know, Steve Jobs, all of those things. I think those are just, I think those gives you some inspiration. Um, but uh, yeah, so Ray Dalio's book right now, I think is, is definitely something I'd recommend. Okay, awesome. Well, that's all my questions for today, Devin. Thank you so much for taking some time out um, to speak to us. I really appreciate it. And it's been great speaking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate uh, everything you guys are doing. Oh, it's our pleasure. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, If you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.